Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Jared Anderson, 21 years old, coming in at 7-0, and versus Kingsley Ebay, 27 years old, coming in at 5-1-1. and Now, the thing I can say about this fight, Franco, it was a nice uh, way to kick off the ESPN card on uh, Saturday night. Jared Anderson came out with his pink trunks on. When you're that big and that bad, you can wear whatever you want, and nobody's <laughs> going to say anything about it. Well, he had pink on top to bottom. He also had the pink gloves, pink shoes, but he did have the breast cancer awareness ribbon on the back of his shorts. So I think it has something to do with that. You know, there is no correct time to do it, but usually we see that kind of stuff specifically in October, right? Right. But uh, uh, I don't, I'm not even sure when they do it, but either way, I just noticed the dude's shorts and I was like, Eh, you know what? I don't I don't know that I would have the confidence to pull that off, but this dude clearly does. Well, he's and, a giant. Uh, yeah, and I believe me, I'm not making fun of Pink. I'm just saying that that's uh was the first thing that came to my mind is that there's nobody's going to say anything to this dude because he looks like a monster. And yeah, his performance proved that he is a monster because not only was he just clearly better than eBay, but he showed some real skill in instead of just coming straight forward when he saw that he had eBay hurt. He was patient and just kept landing that left at will. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I I know that it's going to, I know that it's going to happen. I'll just keep being patient. To his credit, he looked beyond his 21 years with that patience. But then the 21-year-old would come out where he was dancing and smiling. I was like, all right, he's got got both sides. And you know what? If I was that good, I'd dance about it too. Like, it's not his fault they put him in with somebody that isn't as good as him. You know, eBay's last fight out, we saw him fight Giuseppe and have a good fight. So it either leads me to believe that Giuseppe is not that good or that Eric Anderson is just that good because... He was dominant throughout this fight, and I was concerned for eBay at the end of this because that was a shot right on the chin yeah. to end this. Yeah, that one was definitely brutal. Now, you're right. Last time we saw eBay, uh, he fought Guido Vianello. And Vianello. I thought it was Giuseppe. I apologize. Same thing. It was yeah. the Italian guy. So he fought mm-hmm. Super Mario, and that one ended up going to a draw, which I thought was incorrect. I thought eBay took that fight. Uh, you said that I was wrong. I've been waiting four months to correct you since that fight. Uh, obviously, eBay won that fight. But the thing with that fight that we noticed was that eBay kind of like got spent in that six-round fight. He ran out of gas. And kind of the same thing happened here. Jared Anderson was wise beyond his years because eBay is a dangerous dude. He can do damage. Uh, Super Mario was an Olympic champion. He was the favorite in that fight and then barely squeaked out of there with a draw. In this fight, Jared Anderson was patient. He was dancing around, stuck out his tongue. He was, you know, being kind of goofy in some parts. But at the same time, he knew that if he waited long enough, eBay was going to run out of gas. And sure enough, man, when he ran out, that knockout was amazing. I mean, he launched that dude so hard to the ground. It was it was super cool. It's always fun to see big knockouts. Jared Anderson has been providing big knockouts. And he's one of those guys that I look forward. Like when I saw he was opening the card in my mind, I was like, I don't know, maybe he should be a little bit higher because I like him that much. When he came out as Chucky around Halloween, that was super cool. He didn't get a ring walk here, which I was super bummed about. I kicked on ESPN and they're already in the ring. I was like, no, no, no. I was so upset. I liked the fight. 
I liked both guys. I still think eBay is a good fighter. He just, his conditioning didn't look as bad in this fight as it did last time out, but it's obviously he can't last six rounds. Like maybe he should stick to four rounders. They love to say there's levels to this game and eBay is a fun enough fighter, but he's not skilled. You know what I mean? Like he's Mm -hmm. got some good punching power. He's got some decent tools in his toolbox, but Anderson's just on a different level. And it clearly showed in this fight. I wasn't sure if he was just being cocky and ignorant or if he was being patient. I was glad that it ended up being the latter because if he would have caught one and gone down, if Anderson would have ended up losing early in this fight, I would have been really bummed. But it it was nice to see it pay off for him in the end. And he's super entertaining. Can't wait to see him again. Yeah, I also don't think he was worried about getting caught with one because he had tasted eBay's power. eBay landed a good shot in the first and in the second Mm -hmm. and it it did not phase Anderson at all. So I think that's when he, he got that confidence of like, all right, that was the best he can do, and I am clearly fine. The only thing that bothered me, aside from no ring walks, was in the post-fight. I was interested to see what Anderson had to say. I don't know if you noticed it. Uh, they didn't have a mic on him, so he answered. Like, we heard the question, and then he answered, and it was just his mouth moving, and you heard nothing. And he was able to give the entire answer to his question, and nobody nobody caught it. Nobody in the truck was like, hey, there's no audio on him. Nobody jumped in with the mic, and it wasn't until the second question that then the uh, guy giving the interview kind of like tried to still do the social distancing and reached all the way across with the microphone. And it's still, you could hardly hear what he was saying. That was also kind of a letdown. Like after the fight, when it's somebody who's up and coming, you want to hear what their goals are. And then we didn't get that. Yeah, I was uh, happy that I missed all that because I was in split screen mode. When that fight ended, I turned my attention 100% over to the uh, California card end of zone. So I was so much boxing. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad I missed all the post fight stuff. Yeah, it doesn't sound like I missed much. No, you missed nothing. Literally. Shane Mosley Jr., 30 years old, coming in at 16 and 3, versus Christian Olivas, 29 years old, coming in at 20 and 7. <laughs> Now, Franco, this fight, I was looking forward to it, mostly because of the name. You get Shane Mosley in a ring. He carries the same name as his dad, Mm -hmm. who was a great boxer. And I'll tell you what, Mosley looked composed this whole fight. He just really came out under control the whole time. Like, that's the best way I can describe this fight, is he came out with an absolute game plan and never never wavered from that game plan, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. He just attacked that eye where it almost... (laughs) looked like something out of a horror movie by the time they stopped that fight you know it looked like he had like a walnut in place where his eye used to be like that's that crack was so small it was crazy i'll tell you what like Olivas is tough because he had taken this fight on short notice after the fourth round I think it was his corner like tried to give him an out like hey you know this eye isn't looking good do you want out and he's like no man I want to get back out there so the corner was like all right we'll give you another round Mm -hmm. and then I was happy that at the end of that they just stopped it there was nothing more that needed to be proved you were just going to show that Olivas is tough and can get his brain scattered he wasn't hurting Mosley Jr. at all and Mosley Jr. was just in control of this fight from the beginning to the so it was called. Yeah, his eye was so badly damaged that it became a dangerous situation because he just started catching left hooks and you could tell he didn't see them coming. I mean, like it was totally coming from his blind spot. And it's like, all you're going to end up doing if you stay in there longer is making the 
this dude's highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Just call it. And then that way you can, you know, you went out on your shield, but you also didn't get knocked out. You know, it was stopped. You can always do like Wilder and just just blame your corner guy and be like, ah, oh, you're yeah. fired, you jerk. I could have yeah. I could have had him. They wouldn't let me get murdered. They're jerks. Yeah. No, it, it was a good fight. Like even in the final seconds of that final round, Olivas ended up hitting Mosley with like one or two hard shots where it's like, man, you know, if his eye wouldn't have swelled up the way it did, he could have had a chance. He was a good looking kid when he came in. You know, he has like the chiseled jaw. He looked like a like a little Mexican John Cena. Like I saw him and I'm like, oh, John Cena had a kid in Mexico on vacation that he doesn't know about. Now the kid's a boxer. That's exactly who he looked like to me. And I wanted to get invested in this fight for more than just the name of Shane Mosley. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's what he carries. That's what he's going to be making his money on. That's why he's even getting a shot. But he looked good. The only thing was I wanted more. And then I got, and don't get me wrong. I like Mannix. I like Sergio Mora. But they were talking about the contender and the previous fight and all this other stuff during the opening rounds. And I'm like, I if you don't care about the fight, why should I care about the fight? Like there's stuff happening right now. Call the fight that you're watching. If you want to talk other nonsense in between the fights, I get it. But it had zero to do with the fight that I was watching. And so it was kind of like, and and aside from that, then Mannix said the wrong information. Like the kid is 29. He's 20 and seven. He said that he was 16 and five, 27 years old. And I'm like, they literally just showed the tail of the tape. Not even five seconds later, he's giving the wrong information. If you guys don't care, why should I care about this fight? Olivas was a replacement last minute. It was supposed to be Jason Quigley. He only had two weeks to, to get ready for the fight. Can't really hold it against him too much. Mosley Jr. did what he was supposed to do. He looked good. He looked solid. Uh, after the fight, he hit a grito, which that was kind of cool. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know why, if he has some kind of Mexican connection. Now, I know what a grito is, uh, Franco. <laughs> oh, but maybe you can explain for everybody else what that is. Oh, God. I, I would love to do it. You know, at the see, I'm concerned that I would lose my Mexican card if I tried to give you an example of what it is. Uh, literally, I would lose my Mexican citizen citizenship. They would come and they would take my passport and they would rip it up in front of me if I did this wrong. Uh, so a grito is at the beginning of like a mariachi song where they do the ah <laughs> like that. Well, I didn't even try. That was an unofficial one. I would try to do it, but I don't want my family upstairs to think that like something something's wrong. They'll come down and interrupt the show. But it's that like yelling laugh that they right. mostly hit one after the fight into the camera. It was it threw me off a little bit. And they were playing mariachi music after he won. And I'm like, you know, I, he did kind of win me over a little bit more just because of that nonsense at the end. Because now I'm a little bit more invested. I'm I'm curious why he hit that stuff. Muy bueno. <laughs> Ronnie Rios, 31 years old, coming in at 32 and 3. This is Oscar Negrete, 33 years old, coming in at 19, 2 and 2. Now, I looked into both of these guys' records a little bit, Franco, and they both have a loss on the record to uh, Ray Vargas. Mm-hmm. who is a champ. Negrete had two draws and a loss to uh, Joshua Franco. They Their losses came to some really good competition. This fight, it was a good fight. Like, if you needed to learn how to commit to the body, this would be a fight that you have to watch. You know what I mean? Like, Rios was more than half of his punches were being delivered to the body. Oh, yeah. The, 
the one shot that seemed to affect Negrete the most, I forget what round it was, but he got in a liver shot, you know, on somebody's face when something like really, really affected him. Like mm-hmm. that's was the fight, the punch that really affected him the most was like a liver shot. So yeah, this was pretty evenly matched. By that I mean that Negrete was in each round. Mm-hmm. At no point did I think he was getting blown out. I saw Rios winning the majority of these rounds. Same. You know, it was it was a fun fight to watch for sure. When I was watching them in the ring before they even started fighting, I was like, man, Negrete does not look like a boxer. You know, I'm like, he looked like. <laughs> He looked like a guy whose like wife started a fight at the bar. Yep. And he was just chilling. He was like, Oh, oh shit. I gotta I gotta go step into this now. You know, like that's what he looked like to me. But once the fight started, then I'm like, oh, this dude really knows what he's doing. He just wasn't as good as Rios that night. I don't doubt that this dude can fight for sure after watching this fight. He was just second place in this fight. There is no doubt about it in my mind. It was also very cool. Well, first of all, those liver shots that you were talking about, uh, there was a bunch of them. And Negrete kept complaining, like he kept pointing down and trying to say that they were low blows, but they weren't low blows. They just hurt. Like (laughs) they were on the belt where they were supposed to be and it was kind of like you know by you even pointing it out he's just going to keep hitting you there and they did kind of give a warning about the low blows a little bit like hey try and keep them up that was it and Rios just kept raining them down into his liver and it was almost like we've seen fights where a guy lands a million jabs until the other guy's eye is completely swollen I can almost guarantee Negrete is pissing blood today because he caught so many shots down to the body that were just brutal they were really hard open shots and Rios made him pay. I think that's where he kind of broke down Negrete because then when Negrete did hit, when he did connect, he didn't have the same power as Rios. Right. It just wasn't there. I thought it was a good fight. One of the things that I really liked was they did talk about Ronnie Rios and his background and how he had quit boxing. He was done with it. He just wanted to focus on his family. He became a janitor with his mother and was cleaning toilets. He was driving Uber on the side And he basically ran through his money like he ran out of money. And so he had to. So he was going to do boxing on the side as a thing, like more like training. And while he was training, he found a love for it again and a passion. He's like, you know what? Let's make another run for it. We joke all the time about, oh, they just found some cab driver to fight against this other dude. He was literally a cab driver. He was driving Ubers right before this. You couldn't tell that he had been out. There was maybe a little bit of ring rust at the beginning, but he looked good. Like, yeah, they're little dudes and everything, but he had power. Like he was landing some monster shots. I thought it was great. He came out with mariachi music and then a mariachi hat. And he had like mariachi ring gear with like the sparkly sequin jacket. They couldn't get the jacket off because he put his gloves on. And obviously he had never tried it on with the gloves on. So they had to like cut his cool mariachi ring jacket off. That was kind of, I was like, oh no, not the jacket. Like, you know, his auntie or whoever made it for him was pissed like no no porque no me why didn't you tell me <laughs> i could have made this bigger put the zipper um but then the other dude oscar negrete was colombian he came out to chalino sanchez which is like a mexican famous mexican singer and his his ring gear was nothing special but on the very front on his crotch he had an advertisement for a taco place and i was like no kidding this dude has a taco restaurant like has a taqueria on the front of his shorts maybe we should sponsor someone like if a taco place can sponsor you you know maybe we find joe schmo doing his first fight ever on like the on a sunday morning and and we'll have punches and punchlines right on his crotch like just have our logo right there on his junk i love it uh, we are 
putting it out there right now for all boxers. We are willing to put 50 American dollars to uh, have you put our logo on your short. <laughs> I, seriously, I wonder what does sponsorship cost on different shorts? Obviously, there's a huge range depending on who it is. But for like just a regular whatever, I, I'm, I'm really curious about how much it would cost. So yeah, th- that might be something that I might delve a little bit more into. That was a serious offer. 50 American dollars. I'll, I'll even put another 25 on that. <laughs> Woo! Lee Wood, 32 years old, coming in at 23 and 2, versus Reese Mould, 26 years old, coming in at 13 and 0. Now, Franco, the first thing I noticed about this fight is that Wood, his hair looked exactly like Tom Hanks in Big. Do you remember? Do you remember Tom <laughs> Hanks in Big? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. I was like, wow, he is really, uh, he's really, he really looks like that dude. So then I just had, I was picturing Tom Hanks the whole time uh, <laughs> fighting. And this was for the uh, the British featherweight title. And I would like to know how they decided on who was going to fight for the, the British featherweight title. Granted, Wood only had uh, two losses, mm-hmm. but he was coming off a loss to uh, James Dickens in February of 2020. Reese Mould was uh, undefeated, but uh, his last last win was against a dude who was uh, eight and 14. Okay. But it was a, all 14 losses were champs, though. Right. Oh, all no? right. Were yeah. they not? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, 11 of his 13 wins came uh, against dudes with uh, under 500 records. I thought you were going to uh, say like a peg leg or something. <laughs> yeah, no. One uh, one dude was four and 65. One dude was uh, seven and 70. Oof. And uh, one dude was two and 44. One dude was uh, three and 62. Oh, so and, many of these. And the, the best of like eye-popping one that I saw... A guy, one of his wins was against a dude who was five and one twenty three. You know, this seems to be like a British thing. I'm wondering if this exists here in the U.S. as much because this is where I'm noticing more and more that there's just these like guys that that's what they do. Their whole bag is they just wander around and get their asses beat. This is not exclusive to any nation. Like, there's definitely some Americans with padded records. This is just the guy that I'm talking about right now. Because... No, no, I mean, I mean the losing records. Like, I don't see that pop up. Like a four in 143. <laughs> like, those those records don't seem to pop up here in the U.S. as much, or do well, they? And we just they... don't see them. I was going to say, you don't get them on TV, but if you do, you know, some dives into the dude's career, that's like what I've done. Then <laughs> okay. You, you end up seeing it. Like I, I did the math and Reese Mould, his competition, if you add up all the wins and losses, his competition was 78 wins. All right. So not, not terrible. Mm-hmm. And 448 losses uh, combined. I was like, why? It doesn't seem, you know, like a great fight on paper, but let's tune in and see. Then Lee Wood just destroyed this dude at the end of this. Now, Mould did have a good round. Uh, I mm-hmm. forget which round it was, but he, I think it was the third. Okay, where I was like, oh, this this guy can fight. And then that was over right in the fourth then because <laughs> yeah. Wood just took over and I was like, holy shit, this let Reese out of there. Does he, Did he know that he was going to be in this kind of fight? Because <laughs> he, he looked like he was in over his head. And when this when this came to an end, I'm like, thank God uh, Tom Hanks put this away uh, because it was starting to get gross. My notes look so stupid looking back on it. Like my fight analysis, I was like, oh, this is why I would never be allowed to be on TV probably. Uh, maybe one day when I grow up. And I literally wrote down 
down, good close opening rounds, but Mold just looks stronger and faster than Wood. And then- and then the fourth round happened and Wood turned it around so quick. Wood was on shaky legs in the third. Like I was waiting for him to get finished off. And then Mold just did not finish him off. Wood turned it around so fast. And when he did knock out Mold, first he bloodied him up. So Mold's face is just gushing blood from God only knows where. And then he dropped him hard. Like he went down so fast and so hard. Uh, and then in the ninth, he knocked him out again with a, like a big left hook and his head snapped back. Like Wood was, or I'm sorry, Mold was falling forward and his head snapped back. So he like looked up at the camera for just a brief second. Like I was almost waiting for them to freeze and then be like, this was the moment that Reese Mold knew that he messed up. Like, you know, it would go like a like a bad 90s sitcom and then it would right. pick back up in his face. It's the mat. It was such a brutal knockout. Somehow he got up and then Wood finished him off and literally knocked his block off. Like his head separated from the rest of his body. He hit his the back of his neck off the ropes. And then I'm thinking, that's the second time within how many seconds that his neck gets whipped around like that. Like this guy needs to go get his neck checked. You know, he right. probably got whiplash from those two knockouts. Good on Wood for finishing strong and being able to get his legs back under him. But those knockouts... Those are great quality highlight reel knockouts. Adam Lopez, 24 years old, coming in at 14 and 2. Versus Jason Sanchez, 26 years old, coming in at 15 and 2. Now, tail of the tape will tell you, Franco, both of these guys come in, you know, with only the two losses. Adam Lopez, both of his losses were to Oscar Valdez. Uh, I'm sorry, two losses, Oscar Valdez and uh, Stephen Fulton. So both quality losses on his record, if, if there is such a thing. And then Sanchez also lost to uh, Oscar Valdez. Just looking at the tail of the tape, both pitchers side by side, I'm looking at Jason Sanchez. I was like, oh, he looks a lot like, like a Leo Santa Cruz if he was more more handsome you know like like a better looking leo santa cruz and i was looking at adam lopez and i don't know if it's just because his last name is lopez but i was looking at him like oh, no. oh that that could be like the son of uh jennifer lopez you know j-lo and like screech from saved by the belt like that's <laughs> who he looks like to me like if those two had a child it would be adam lopez but this fight from beginning to end was like really a good fight i thought <laughs> sanchez had a majority of the early fight and then i don't know whether he just ran out of gas or lopez just was sticking with his game plan and it ended up working but it was almost like the coin flipped somewhere near the middle and lopez was winning the later rounds Mm -hmm. and ended as a majority decision for adam lopez i i can't argue with the scorecards on this because i i might have had jason sanchez up by just a little bit lopez finished so much stronger than sanchez did i can't argue with the the result yeah, I agree completely. Like, this was a good fight. Uh, Lopez was technically the favorite by a little bit. I did look at the money line. And Sanchez ended up looking better for the entire opening of the fight. They're both little, little tiny guys throwing a million punches. But pun- but Sanchez was landing more through the first five rounds. And then after that, in the sixth, it's like Lopez hit a switch, you know, Fast and the Furious. He hit the little NOS button, and, and that was a wrap. Like, he just started dominating the fight from there on out. But my question was, is it going to be enough? And is he going to be able to like keep it up? Like if he loses a round anywhere in there, this could end up flipping the other way. And I liked after the seventh round, his corner goes over to him and they're like, can you give me nine more minutes? We just need nine more minutes. And he looks at his coach and he looks at his trainer and he goes, I'll give you 10. 
I was like, who handed him that script? You know, this isn't a movie. They're not filming. I mean, we're watching on TV, but this isn't going to hit the big screen. It was such a cool line that after he said that, I was like, I want Lopez to win it. But scoring it, I did have it as a draw. And then Lopez ended up winning it. My first initial reaction was, ah, the fix is in because Vegas. And then I was like, nah, you know, even looking at the scores, 97, 93, 96, 94, 95, 95, I could see all of those scores being legit. Like there was enough rounds in there where they could have gone either way. It was still a good fight though. It was a good fight. I, you know, if either guy would have won, I would have been okay with it, but I did like that Lopez won after his little quote to his corner. Patrick Teixeira, 30 years old, coming in at 31 and one versus Brian Castaño, 31 years old, coming in at 16, oh, and one. Now, this was a fun fight, Franco. I really did enjoy this. I thought Castaño was controlling throughout. The first thing I thought, too, when they were doing their, when these guys first got in the ring, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Castaño does not look like a Brian to me. You know, like <laughs> if if I was given a hundred guesses and like, all right, go ahead and guess his first name. I, I wouldn't have come up with Brian in the first 100 guesses. It's almost like uh, his mother hated the father and like named it, named him after like an ex-boyfriend. Like, oh, you don't like that? Like, I'm going to name him after my ex. What do you think of that? Like, that would be wonderful. You know, but, yeah. I don't. I don't know why. And the only reason I even know this is because I work in a high school, but it must have been a late 90s, early 2000s thing. But I've had so many Mexican kids named Brian. Now, this Brian is Argentinian, but still Latin America. And and all of them have like a million different spellings. But at some point, Brian, that became a popular name amongst Latinos. And I have no idea why whoever this ex-boyfriend was, he was getting around Yeah, because there's a lot of Brian's out there. When I was looking up the... Uh the stuff for this fight going into it i saw that to share his only loss you know was to curtis stevens and that was uh at middleweight so he's undefeated at at junior middleweight and i don't know if you remember who curtis stevens is curtis stevens lost to triple g and that was the guy that leading up through the fight kept calling him Gennady, like tell, telling everybody how he was gonna destroy golovkin when stevens hit the mat in that fight that's like the famous knockout highlight light reel of Golovkin's where the dude's eyes just bug out like a cartoon like whoa <laughs> what did I just get hit with that's to share his only loss coming into to the fight with Castaño Castaño's only draw was against Islande Lara who is mm-hmm. also a wonderful fighter so this was a on paper I was like this is going to be a good fight and it came through Castaño was the aggressor throughout and there was times in the middle where I thought Teixeira was uh, able to answer. Like, Teixeira would have these flurries where you're like, all right, now he's got it figured out. Yeah. But then Castaño would answer right back. You're like, oh, that, no, Castaño's not going away. Like, Castaño was the better fighter in this fight. Yeah, I totally agree. And it actually kind of surprised me because Teixeira was four inches taller. He had a 10-inch reach advantage, which how do you have almost a foot reach advantage and you don't really take advantage of it? I mean, it looked like he was trying to, but Castaño was just stronger, more aggressive. And I think he had to be to be able to overcome that reach advantage. He just got in there, bullied him around and Teixeira did not look 
like the bigger guy. I mean, he physically, you know, height wise, he looked a little bit taller, but he didn't look like he had the advantage because Castaño was shutting him down so fast. And like you said, Teixeira would land a little flurry. It would look like he had something. And then, and then he didn't. Castaño would respond with his own flurry and just, he was bullying him around the ring. It was a fun fight. Uh, I thought that Castaño had him more than once, like more than once Teixeira was on wobbly legs and bopping around the ring, especially at the end of the fight. I thought that they were going to call it or Castaño was going to send him through the ropes and then credit to Teixeira somehow he hung in there until the end you know like he was able to hold on yeah at the end of this I thought that Teixeira looked like the treehouse I had as a kid you know where you're like how is that still standing you know like <laughs> there's nothing safe about the structure of that uh, oh. but somehow I lived and uh, so did Teixeira because that uh, bad foundation seemed to hold him up but yeah <laughs> He really, it, it was, it was almost to the point where I was waiting for the official to step in and stop it. And it, it, I'm glad he didn't, you know, he let him go out on a shield and Teixeira was able to hold on. Uh, so nothing too dangerous happened. Uh, I also did like, and I didn't catch it at first, but on the back of Castaño's trunks, I don't know if you noticed he had um, Diego Maradona. A soccer the, player? Yes. One of the greatest soccer players of Football. all time. Yeah, he had, uh, but he had a Maradona shout out on on his shorts because uh, Diego Maradona passed away recently, and so he, you know, that's like a national icon for Argentinians. Uh, also, I kind of was rooting against Teixeira because of something that they said that he had said in an interview before the fight, where he said, "For a Brazilian to knock out an Argentinian, it just feels a little bit better," and I was like, "Oh." Like that's kind of you're talking trash and you're making it like about an entire country. I'm going to have to lean towards the Argentinian a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, man, he oof. Like when Castaño would go in on him, it felt like a knockout was about to happen at any point. And it didn't. But he still got the win. He dominated the fight. And I'm looking forward to seeing him again, hopefully. Speaking of recently passed away, uh, we can't do the 10 count of the bell. But uh, since we brought it up in this fight, we will mention that uh, Leon Spinks just passed away. And I did like that each of these cards in the U.S. did a 10 count Mm -hmm. for Leon Spinks. The dude beat Muhammad Ali in his eighth professional fight to win the world title. Had some rough periods after that. But at his funeral, they were able to say he was was heavyweight champion of the world and not a lot of people are able to say that so uh rest in peace leon spinks richard comey 33 years old coming in at 29 and 3 versus jackson Mourinez, 30 years old coming in at 19 and 1 <laughs> I'll be honest about this fight, Franco. I wanted Jackson Mourinhoz to win in this fight. Hmm. Coming off his only career loss to Roly Romero, and I do say loss in quotations because he definitely won that fight against Romero. I didn't want him to follow up a fake loss with a real loss. Uh, But guess what? He followed up that fake loss with a real loss because (laughs) Comey kicked the shit out of him. I would love, I would love, love, love. Every time Comey knocks somebody out, he stood over the body and screamed, Comey, don't play that like that would be so <laughs> fun for me if he would just do that from now on now marina is 
like I don't know, he he looked like he was trying a little harder in the fifth, but then God, he just got knocked out in that sixth. Yeah, he he was not on Comey's level. No, and actually, I thought you were gonna say when you said that you hope he would say, uh, "Homie, don't play that." Every time after he knocks someone out, I was hoping that you were gonna say that he calls out Raleigh Romero so that he could <laughs> murder Raleigh Romero. Really, I like that we just keep wanting to see Raleigh Romero get knocked out by somebody. It's coming, and when it happens, it's gonna be such a great payoff like the like a season finale it's going to be a day of celebration when it happens correction not homie don't play that Comey, don't play Comey, that. Comey, Comey, don't play that scene. Uh, that's that's why I'm not the uh, comedy writer. <laughs> I thought it was a great fight. I did want Richard Comey to win this fight, though. I actually forgot about the Jackson Marinez uh, ripoff. They showed a video package right before the fight where Comey's talking about his loss to Teofimo, and he's talking about how he felt like he let down the entire country of Ghana, and they show people in Ghana celebrating and, and holding up his t-shirt, and he starts crying during during the interview and I was like oh my god like this dude is fighting for like national pride it's not just money and strippers and tacos like what's his face the chubby Mexican it's like he's fighting for more than just that and that kind of that got me behind him you know I'm like invested in this dude and his story now and to see how he took a loss catching an L can't be easy for anybody in boxing because they put such an emphasis on like it's the end of the world when it does happen for whatever reason it's like the only sport that does that to see how hard he took it and then how hard he was working to come back. It was cool. It was like a redemption story. Both guys looked great in the in the beginning, and it was pretty even in those opening rounds. But then after the fourth, Comey just looked better. He was landing better and harder shots. He kept just ramping up as the fight went on, all the way up until in the sixth round when he, he landed those two rights, put Marinas down. Marinas gets up. He's all wobbly. He's just sitting there teetering like Mortal Kombat. And, and they're like, here it comes, and then hits him with a straight shot right to the mouth. And it, it looked like David Ortiz doing a happy Gilmore-style swing on a t-ball stand just destroyed this guy like he almost wound up as he was running like swinging his his arm Popeye style and then just knocked him out it was so awesome it was so much fun to see it was not only a great story but then a great finish to it as well now the other thing that was kind of cool that they kept cutting to Teofimo was in the building and was cheering on Comey the whole time like you'd go over and yell advice between rounds and and to see him celebrating for the dude that he knocked out and, and took his belt from that just kind of added another layer to it i'm glad you brought that up because dear espn fuck you in your split screen all right i don't need to see a split screen of tiafima lopez rooting for somebody else like of course he's rooting for the guy he beat because then it looks like a better win you know like i get that all right but leave the fight on i don't need to see you know the celebrity rooting for somebody else in a split screen that was such stupid bullshit like it was a good fight and you're split screening it to show a dude rooting rooting for somebody else. I thought it was dumb, so fuck you. Now, you can show it between rounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a little clip. Or if you really, really, really need to do split screen for something, have the smaller, have Teofimo in the smaller box. You don't need to, you you don't need to split screen. Stop. But but if you're going to. To show somebody rooting. But, but if you, if you absolutely, Uh, like if your production guy is insisting. (laughs) At least have it be smaller. You're going to do a, like, we're watching a football game and they split screen a player in the stands that's rooting for the, for his team. 
forget it. That's dumb. Like, just show the fight. And then if you want to, in between rounds, show highlights of him rooting for him. It's so dumb. Stop. But, like, it, it wasn't even an even split screen. Teofimo took up the majority of the screen. And the fight the was, like, in a little tiny you. box. I don't know if the audience can hear you, but I'm <laughs> muting you. Jojo Diaz. 28 years old, coming in at 31 and 1 versus Shakazon Rakimov. 26 years old, coming in at 15 and 0. Now, what I liked about this fight in the lead up, Franco, Rakimov, uh, nine of his 10 last fights have been uh, stoppages. He's coming off four straight stoppages. I don't know if you saw Rakimov's like Brock's wreck picture. He looked like he was like trying to steal my soul. So I, I didn't I didn't stare at the picture too long. Like I felt that <laughs> that could happen. Now, Jojo Diaz, he should have been the champion, but he uh, lost his title on the scales, which I think he should change his new uh, ring name now to Sloppy Joe because he looked fat and I think sloppy joe would be wonderful his only loss coming into this was to gary russell jr russell jr's only loss is to lomachenko so i mean he's definitely fought some good competition you can't really blame a dude for stepping up and only having that one loss jojo's like his box rec headshot i don't know if you saw it he almost looks like like eminem but like he grew up in like like say dallas where you can get a tan instead of <laughs> detroit where it's like 30 below zero all the time i'll be honest with you by the time this fight was over I thought Rakimov won it. It ended up a draw. The thing I noticed most about Rakimov is that he was methodical. He would land and he'd do his combinations where I thought Diaz would throw a shot and then want to admire it. And then I, I wrote that down in like the second or third round. And I thought it was funny that his dad yelled at him later on in the fight, or maybe it was his uncle, whoever Diaz's trainer is, is like, stop admiring your punches. I'm like, yeah. I've been saying that shit since the beginning of this fight. Like, get in there and mix it up. Now, granted, I thought that maybe by, like, the seventh is when Diaz started to look better, but I thought it was a little too late because I don't think he ended up winning 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. I thought he rounds he won were in the second half of the fight, but he didn't sweep the second half of the fight. So I probably would have had it 115, 113 for Rakimov. But it ended a draw. It's not like that's a crazy decision. Mm -hmm. uh, I just disagree with it. I kind of agree. It, it, you know, Rakimov was definitely landing big hits. I thought Diaz was faster. I thought Diaz had him in the second round. He he wobbled him at one point. But then Rakimov would just, it, it would take him a minute to kind of, not even a minute, it would take him a few seconds to regroup. And then he looked fine again every time. Diaz started bleeding after the one exchange. He came back and he bloodied him up right away. Even though he kind of teetered a little bit early in that fight, he came back and then he bloodied Diaz up. Rakimov kept targeting his nose, which I thought people will be targeting an eye. They'll be targeting you know, the, the body shots or whatever, he was coming straight down the middle and just booping him on the nose. I think if Rakimov, I don't know if he ran out of gas or if he decided to change his game plan. It was, it was, I don't know. I was thrown off. It felt like he let Diaz off the hook. Like if he would have just kept doing what he was doing, he would have had him because he took all the middle rounds. Like he figured him out. He kind of turned it up. And then at the end, it like changed again. Maybe Diaz figured him out. It felt like to me, it felt like Rachmov almost like ran out of gas when he needed it most. Maybe it was just a, a change in, in style by Diaz, but I did have Diaz taking a bunch of those uh, later rounds. And then, yeah, it, it ended up being a draw. I did think Rachmov took it by maybe a round or two, but a draw, I couldn't completely be upset with it. Josh Warrington, 30 years old, coming in at 30 and 0 versus Mauricio Lara, 22 years old, coming in at 21 and 2. <laughs> 
a little disclaimer before I even launch into this fight, Franco. I am a Josh Warrington fan. I've been I've seen his last four or five fights. If you like high output fighters and a fighter with no rest, Josh Warrington is should be on your uh, must watch fighters. Like the dude just throws and throws and then he throws some more. I am definitely a Josh Warrington fan. Now in the first round, I was like, all right, it's not kind of the pace I'm used to from from Warrington. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, before I even dive into the into the rounds. I'll say this, like I wasn't giving um, Lara much of a chance into this, like Warrington vacated his IBF belt because he thought it was going to set up some of the bigger fights that he was, he wanted to get, you know, he wanted some unifications, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm also not in the business of how giving up a belt will set up bigger fights. You look at Josh Warrington and I couldn't help but think like, was this like one of the Oasis brothers that couldn't sing? So they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to need you to fight. And when we make trouble, we're going to need you to fight people for us like that's like it's liam noel and josh like that was you know like the gallagher brothers warrington gallagher yeah and i was like he definitely you know looks like if they do a reunion for oasis he could be in there and to keep on a musical note I was looking at Mauricio Lara and he's like a good looking dude that I was like, oh, he looks like he could like moonlight as a member of Menudo. You know, like he's a good looking (laughs) kid, you know, 22 years old. I'm like a couple of years ago, he could have been in a teen boy band, you know, like that makes sense to me. So then the fight starts and I was really just kind of expecting to, to watch one of my favorites go to work on somebody I'd never heard of. And in the first round, I was like, wow. This is not how Josh usually comes out. You know, maybe he's he's got a lot of time off. Maybe he's just shaking off some rust. And I thought Lara looked really good in that first round. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the second round, I was like, all right, there's there's the Warrington I know. You know, like he was he was putting that high output, constant pressure. The thing is, like with Warrington, he's not always just constant pressure. Like he's also a good counter puncher too. So if you're bringing the heat to him, he can also sit back, block, and then then counter. I always thought of him as a really complete fighter. And then holy shit, man! In that fourth round, I will say this with 100 certainty: if Josh Warrington wasn't 30 and 0, there's no way they let that fight continue. Yeah, he definitely looked like a drunk deer. On an icy pond after after he got up i was like oh my god stop this but i also understand the ref be like no this dude's 30 and oh i can't stop it just yet but he looked like a drunk that had just been thrown out of the bar and not sure where his keys or his wallet or mm-hmm. how he was going to get the the lift home you know like i felt bad for him and then he came out in that fifth and his legs weren't back underneath him but to his credit he was still throwing the punches like he made sure that he was able to keep going where if i'm the ref in that fifth round i go like all right he still doesn't look great but he looks like he's in the fight and then i love warrington even more for being able to survive that fifth because he kept his distance and just tried to survive also i give uh Lara credit for not being overly aggressive you know where he there was blood in the water he did not just go in for the kill he stayed patient he's like all right i got him hurt no need to expose myself to getting hurt i'll just wait my time and then he finally knocked him out in the ninth and i was like this needs to be over in those early rounds what i noticed was that warrington obviously had more speed more boxing skill but lara was just swinging hammers like his shots had so much weight behind them and it was kind of like well either he's going to end up like losing on points and he'll slowly get beat down lara or warrington is going to catch one of those monster shots and we're going to see how he's going to handle it and then yeah when he caught some he caught it like a bunch of big hits in that fourth and like you said he had this 
spaghetti legs and he hung on for 20 seconds. And like you said, you were waiting, like kind of hoping for a stoppage. The announcers were calling for him. They're like, just take a knee, please just take right. a knee, go down, go down. And he didn't. Now we've seen where dudes over a, a series of rounds will slowly kind of get their legs back underneath them and make their comeback. And it kind of looked like maybe Warrington was starting to do that. Like at least get enough of his bearings about him to be able to get through the fight. Cause he went for another five rounds almost, but that knockout in the ninth was brutal. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but as soon as the knockout happened, Lara ran to his corner, right? And he's like kind of semi-celebrating. He leans back into the ropes and then he runs back over to Warrington and is pointing at him. And he started yelling at the doctors to get into the ring to like check on him. He's like, get in here, check on him, check on him in Spanish. So probably nobody understood him. He was he was calling for somebody to come in and they did. And so he's like kind of hanging around. The doctors get in there. He starts celebrating. Finally, this awesome knockout against a top tier opponent and his Warrington's corner gets mad at him for celebrating. The like if a crowd was there what you're going to tell everybody to keep it down i had that exact same uh note written down that he did the classy thing where he was waited he's like man i gotta get this doctor in here and then once he saw warrington moving that's when he celebrated so i think he he waited the dude's 22 years old he just beat a top top level fighter yeah and i thought he did more than show you know some reserve but i will disagree that he said it in spanish and probably everybody knew what he was saying because only in America do we speak one language. In <laughs> in London and uh, the spots I visited in Europe, I was the only one that only spoke English. You know, everybody else spoke English too, but they also knew Spanish, German, French, you know, so it was, I'm sure that they understood. It took Warrington a couple of minutes to get up off of the mat. They, they had him with like an oxygen mask on. It was a brutal knockout. And to think that this guy, come on, it's not like he was doing flips and breakdancing, which literally we saw in other fights on this same night don't get mad at the i get it like this is kind of i don't know what do you think to me this is kind of a lose-lose situation for both guys going into this fight and with the results if warrington wins you knocked out somebody that nobody knows and if lara wins you know obviously you get a big come up but now who's going to want to fight lara your your name still doesn't carry that much weight other than that you beat warrington if you're you know a top tier guy why the hell would you want to fight this guy after he just beat somebody who's super good and then for warrington you've got that l on your record now and some of that polish obviously it's from the ring rust and i do expect for warrington to be able to bounce back but he he loses a little bit of that shimmer because of the loss i don't know what do you think well in warrington's corners defense like i think heat of the moment they're still suffering that loss of their guy only 20 seconds earlier or 30 seconds earlier so i understand in the moment they're like oh cut it out but i i would think that if you talk to him today they would be like no it was the heat of the moment we just you know yeah. overreacted their super bond villain eddie hearn afterwards said that once josh is healed they have it in the contract of rematch if they want to do that if that's what josh wants to do they can have it but you're right lara was kind of an unknown he had two losses coming into this think about that he has 23 fights and the dude's only 20 two years old so he he got into the business pretty young he lost his debut all right so he started off zero and one and even that loss was a split decision for a rounder we've seen four rounders it's a coin toss and then his only other loss was in 2018 he lost at the 52nd mark <laughs> so he he took a shot and i i don't i don't know the dude elliot chavez maybe that dude's great i don't know all i all this fight did was make me 
a fan of Lara. Like, I want to see him fight again. I'm still a fan of Josh Warrington. I'm going to be there, my cold beer, waiting for Josh Warrington to fight again. Anybody who wants to jump off the bandwagon because the dude lost one fight, go ahead, jump off. We'll uh, we'll save save room for real boxing fans because this dude, the Leeds Warrior is a nice name for him because the dude does go to war and I love it. Like, he's he just throws bombs and he's fast. He's got one loss now. Still a quality fighter, 30 years old. I can't wait to see him back in the ring. I hope he heals well. I have not stopped being a fan. I agree. The Leeds Warrior thing also had like a cool logo. Just the whole mm-hmm. logo he had. It was very cool. He came out to a video package for their soccer club. Uh, it sounded almost like the Go-Go White Sox song to me where I was like, ah, I don't know that that's the song that I would come out to. And then he kicked it over into Kaiser Chiefs. I predict a riot. And this fight was a riot. It was fun. And like you said, as somebody who actually watched the fight, I came out still a fan of Warrington. I'm looking forward to seeing Lara again. Dude came out with like a silk poncho, which was kind of weird and mariachi music blasting in the middle of England. And, you know, it it was one of those things where because not only did he look good, but he also got this big win. I'm looking forward to both guys. So I just worry that the people that like to comment on things all the time without actually watching the fight, that they're going to be saying stuff down the line. But as far as this fight goes again, if they do a rematch, I will definitely be watching. All right, so thanks for tuning in again this week, everybody. We had a ton of boxing. uh, So much boxing. It was so fun. Uh, some really great fights. That Warrington uh, Lara fight was the first fight on that Saturday, but uh, we covered it last because I really thought that it was the the best fight of the weekend. Like it was an incredible upset, and uh, yeah, it was one of my favorite fighters. I was looking forward to it because of the Warrington name, but now I've just added Lara to my my list of uh, fighters that I'm a fan of. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, join us next week. We got another busy week next week, February the twentieth. There is a ton of boxing tune in and uh have us break it down if there's somebody on those cards that you are looking forward to uh seeing uh tell us why yeah or if you're on the card shoot us a message we seem to be getting in contact with more and more fighters directly good and bad where they just shoot a message and it's like oh geez i didn't i'm sorry (laughs) like i know you could kick my ass i didn't mean to call you a wuss in in our podcast but it should also be easier next weekend to cover these fights uh yesterday was my wife's 40th birthday and somehow I was able to watch both or all three. It was three different cards that we were able to to take in. Uh, and then today is Valentine's Day for the double whammy. So it was, it was, I'm glad that we were able to get all the fights in and also be able to get our recording in. Uh, next weekend should be a lot easier to be able to get all of this done. So looking forward to it and can't wait to another weekend of awesome boxing. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.